Can you smell it? Of course you can. Our balsam trees and shrubs are famous all over the world. This sweet, fragrant resin is simply, simply sublime. And what about these, these great palm trees? The city of palms, Jericho is also called. And of course, this massive sycamore tree. Just an ordinary sycamore tree, you might say, but wait, this is not just any tree. I mean, those trees are very special. They can reach a really a ripe old age. And this specimen here, I think that should be about at least 500 years old. I mean, our great King David, as a matter of fact, appointed a special overseer for both the olive tree and the sycamore tree in his great kingdom. And its wood is used as building material and its figs are simply delicious. And with its, as you can see, with this massive uh, knotted trunk, it looks a bit similar uh, to an olive tree, but it is in fact related to the fig tree. And its dark, big leaves provide really a, quite a nice shade in the summer's heat. And on many a summer's afternoon, I've just basically sat here and... I thought about this marvelous encounter that happened right here many years ago now, but this is where I've met him first, or I probably should rather say that's where he met me, but I should probably start at the beginning, right? What a city, I hear you say, and you're right. We're not far away from the Dead Sea, and we're surrounded by these hills and, and all these mountains here. We're situated below sea level, and we're dotted with springs that bring fresh water. Jericho is truly an oasis in the desert. And this feels almost like paradise, I often hear people say when they come and visit us for the first time. There's plenty of entertainment, too, because the Romans blessed us with an amphitheater and a theater. If you're more into business, if you're more of a business-minded person, you're definitely in the right spot too because Jericho is a very important trading hub and this is where the big caravans uh, cross their paths to exchange their goods. I love the hustle and bustle uh, of our streets. And on my way to work, I used to pass by merchants and businessmen discussing the latest trades, and there were Roman soldiers marching along formation, and I also saw aristocrats in, engaged in sophisticated conversations. And then there were the plantation workers and the farmers carrying their produce uh, on carts to the market. And of course, there were also the religious teachers and the scribes, and they always made sure they would steer clear of me. Whenever they saw me on the street, they would just ignore me. But we also had many faithful pilgrims and their families. They were on the way to the temple up in Jerusalem. It's a great city. So much going on. Always something happening. But it's also a safe place. We've got these really thick city walls now. They're strong and solid. And nowadays, I assume Joshua and his army would have to walk uh, more than a week around our city to make the walls crumble. Jericho, the place to go, I always used to say. It was voted the most livable city in the Middle East, and most of us prospered. Well, at least 
I certainly did. You see, Jericho was one of the main centers for uh, tax purposes in Israel. And much to the chagrin of my parents, I mean, they raised me as a proper Jew, I still decided that I would move into the tax business. That was obviously an outrageous career choice for a Jew, and I'll tell you more about why that is in a minute, but first, let me bang the drum a bit for tax officers. For this is an honorable profession, right? I mean, if you do it right. <laughs> Render to Caesar what is Caesar's, even he always used to say. Taxes are important. That's how the Romans were able to build all these aqueducts you see here. And they brought fresh water into the city. I mean, that's a great thing, right? Taxation per se wasn't a problem. And today I'm freely to admit I was. I was the problem. Because I not only rendered to Caesar what was Caesar's, but also to render to my pocket what was not theirs. Corruption blossomed like palm trees planted nearby the streams of water. And here's how it worked. We, tax collectors, we were basically in bed with our Roman oppressors because we collected taxes from our own people. And in the eyes of our fellow Jews, we were, of course, considered traitors. I mean, how can you collaborate with the Romans? How could you? And, well, we... We taxed. I mean, there's nothing, again, there's nothing wrong with fair taxation. And like you probably today, as I was told, you, you do have property tax, you have income tax. That's what we did have too. But on top of these regular basic taxes, we could basically tax everything else. And we would always keep an extra portion for ourselves. And only the limits of your creativity were defining the bottom of your barrels with money. It was a fantastic money-making scheme. And I was pretty good at it. I might be small in stature, but what I didn't have in height, I made up with cleverness. And to the horror of my parents, I worked myself up to the top of the food chain, becoming chief tax collector at a very young age. My family wasn't amused at all, for no one would talk to them in the synagogue anymore. But what can you do? You'll have to sacrifice something if you really want to go to the top, right? Thin is, the air is quite thin, thin up there. And at the pinnacle of my success, I had a whole group of tax collector underlings working for me. I had outperformed everyone else. And, you know, this was really the goal from the very beginning. Because, you see, I have often been bullied when I was young because of my short stature. And I made a vow that I would pay everyone back. One way or another, they would have to look up to me one day. If they wanted or not. I would become richer than all of them together. And they would have to respect me. No one would ignore Zacchaeus anymore. Still, I had thought that this would give me some sense of satisfaction, some at least basic level of contentment, but it didn't. Revenge, the proverb goes, is a dish best served hot, 
and sure, I've served many a hot meal. But no one has ever told me that while it leaves a bitter aftertaste in the stomach of the diner, it also creates an upset stomach in the waiter. No one is winning here, I thought. And I came to a point in my life where I was actually growing quite desperate. I mean, yes, sure, I've accumulated considerable wealth. I had servants. I even had a cook. I had housekeepers. You name it, I had everything. I had fresh figs in the morning for breakfast. And then all this delicious, richly laid lunchtime and wine in the evening. I had it all. But you know what? I enjoyed all this in solitude on my own um, because I didn't really have any friends. Never had guests, really, because my unpopularity level in town was as high as my income. I mean, that was understandable, okay? I mean, <laughs> who would want to socialize with someone who actually rips you off? I mean, it doesn't, doesn't make sense, right? So my only companions, if you want to call them that, for lack of a better word, were my fellow colleagues, fellow tax collectors. And their only topic of conversation, as you can imagine, was to find new, as they call it, creative ways of taxation. And those guys weren't really that likable. But then, if you think of it that way, I don't think I was particularly likable either. As a matter of fact, I didn't really like what I saw in the, when I looked into the mirror. And so did my neighbors. As tax collectors, we were simply shunned by the rest of society. Everyone who saw us on the streets would practice carefully social distancing. We were considered ritually unclean and therefore excluded from society and religion. A faithful Jew was not allowed to eat and to socialize with us. And we were forbidden to worship in the synagogue and, of course, I mean, getting anywhere close to the temple in Jerusalem was a no-go. I belong to this abysmal category of the outcasts. I found myself in the same pigeonhole as prostitutes and sinners. And you're right. I had no one else but me to blame for it. Now, at a time when I was reconsidering my career choices in life, news reached Jericho that there was a celebrity preacher moving from town to town who apparently also performed quite impressive miracles. And that was interesting for sure, yes. But what really triggered my interest was this. People called him a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Really? And, of course, that didn't mean it as a compliment, okay? A friend of tax collectors? I had been looking for a friend for a long time. Of course, I thought he would never become my friend, but still, I was curious and I wanted to uh, hear more. And then I heard that one of his closest followers, and they called him dis them disciples, was actually a former tax collector. And then, as you can imagine, my curiosity knew no more boundaries. I had to find out who this strange person was. Okay, a few months passed. 
And I still remember that special day vividly. It was a warm afternoon. It was spring. And that was the central turning point in my life. He was supposed to travel to, Jer uh, to Jericho today, and everyone, of course, wanted to see him. It was a busy season as the Passover celebrations drew closer, and hundreds, if not thousands, of pilgrims were on their way up to Jerusalem. And Jericho was the last stop on the final stretch up to the temple. And I always secretly admired these faithful pilgrims who had to conquer, yeah, I would think at least a thousand meters altitude as they were uh, climbing up to the way to Jerusalem. Now, something happened, I noticed, in, in this one part of our town, and I couldn't see much, obviously, I mean, I'm so very small, um, but I could hear, and I heard Based on the noise level of the tumult, I was able to locate where they were going. And I desperately just wanted to catch a glimpse of him. That's really all I wanted. But as you can imagine, no one would let me go anywhere close to the center of where it all happened. Um, I tried to squeeze through here and there, but then from out of nowhere, an elbow was actually rammed into my nose and I almost fell to the ground. No one would have cared, for sure. I mean, they, they would probably all have walked uh, over me. But then it occurred to me, wait. I realized that the group with him at the center would actually move along the main road southwest. And I remember that further down that road, there was this large sycamore tree. And I could easily climb up and watch everything from a perfect uh, vantage point. So I quickly ran ahead and um, then uh, along the, on the main route. And with a bit of minor acrobatics, uh, the small chief customs officer sat comfortably on the thick branch of this tree. Of course, I ignored all the mocking voices um, and the disparaging glares that followed my slightly embarrassing feet. But let them complain, I thought, because, well, my reputation was in ruins anyway, so there was no need to maintain any sort of dignity or decor. I had a much more important mission than to care about what the crowd thought. I had to focus on this group. They were slowly moving closer to my tree, with him at the center, as I imagined. And I sat there, carefully peeking through the leaves, surveying the situation from my beautiful bird's-eye view. And indeed, there he came, moving right along the road as I predicted. The babble of voices grew louder, and there was his entourage, and must have been him at the center. I mean, that must have been him, I thought. I wasn't quite sure what I, ex what I had expected, but he looked quite human to me. One head, two arms, two legs. And when this slight feeling of disappointment began to settle down on me, um, he suddenly stopped. <laughs> he, st he stood still right next to my tree. Not only that, but he was looking right into my direction. And 
I looked to my left, to my right. There was no one there. I thought, oh no, the poor guy, he's cross-eyed. He's, what's happening? But then he was actually walking towards me. And my heart was pounding faster. I tried to hide behind the foliage as best as I could. And he finally reached in the trunk of my tree and he looked up at me. And I looked down at him and I thought that my eyeballs would both fall out of their sockets on him. Zacchaeus, he said. What? How come he, how, how come he knows my name? I've, I've never met him before in my life. How was this possible? Was I dreaming? And then, maybe you've done that before, I pinched myself so hard that I almost fell out of my tree because I thought maybe I, I was dreaming. But I didn't wake up. So this must be real, I thought. The celebrity preacher was talking to me, calling me by my name. Hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. Now my head was truly spinning. Do you know that feeling and that, that ringing in your ear when you're really nervous when something happens? That's, that, that's the tone. I was completely confused. I was probably a bit dizzy as well and had to hold on to the tree very carefully not to fall down. The celebrity preacher wants to be my guest today? Sure, I stuttered, and I blushed, and I also got this massive hiccup that I sometimes get because I was so excited. And I can't remember how, but I made it down from my tree without hurting myself, and then I stood right before him. I'll never forget the look on his face. It was a mix of compassion and delight. And for some strange reason, I felt as I was meeting an old friend, as if he had known me all my life. Understandably, the crowd wasn't pleased at all. How dare he? Someone shouted, and immediately other angry voices expressed their disappointment and disbelief. And I could feel how the stick of an upset elderly lady pushed into my ribcage from behind. I mean, who could blame them? I thought... I myself had no idea why this was happening to me. He was in charge, and I simply followed suit. This is outrageous, someone else cried. How can he go in to be the guest of a sinner? But he ignored all this cacophony of complaints, and everything suddenly turned upside down in my head. I the one who wasn't even allowed to come anywhere near the house of God. I, I was now supposed to invite into my house the one they call the son of God. How's that possible? It was utterly ridiculous and yet tremendously wonderful at the same time. As we made our way home, uh, our way to my home, I felt like I was walking on clouds, and even the hiccup subsided. Just good that I had a big place, I thought, because his whole company could easily stay with me overnight. And I quickly called my housekeeper and the cook, and they prepared a big feast for the whole company. And then I couldn't believe what I saw, because for the first time, my house was filled with stimulating conversation. And there was laughter. There was joy. 
And I actually met Matthew, my former colleague, and my conversation with him was both life-changing and life-giving. And there were also some serious moments, of course, when the teacher explained to us some things from the Word of God. And I have to say, he was unlike any other teacher I've heard before. I can't remember when exactly the shekel dropped, but when he had almost finished eating, I raised my glass. And I stood up, and everyone fell silent, because they clearly knew I was now going to say something important. And this is what I said. I said, Lord, I'm giving half of my property to the poor. And if I cheat anywhere, I will give it back four times. You could hear a pin drop. Dozens of pairs of eyes stared at me in disbelief. Just this one pair of eyes didn't look surprised at all. His gaze rested on me and made me feel accepted and acknowledged. And I sat down. I was trembling a bit, to be honest. And then I watched him get up. He too raised his glass and he said, and I remember each word very clearly because these words really changed my life. This is what he said. Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And I sat there with my mouth wide open. What? The house of the sinner became the house of salvation. I've heard it from the lips whom they call the Son of Man. And having been raised a Jew, I know exactly what this meant. He revealed himself here as the promised, as the as the glorious one who would come in glory with the clouds and who would rule over every nation and ever, every language. So much I remembered from my lessons in childhood. Could this really be him? And by calling me a son of Abraham, he put me right back into my tradition, into my community. He publicly declared me a participant in this lineage of this great man of faith, Abraham. And that really left me speechless. Because I, I had turned away from my community. I had turned my back to my people and of the God in whom Abraham believed. But on that evening, I was restored both back to the community and back to God. I received forgiveness and reconciliation with God and the community. I was lost, deeply lost, but he found me and restored me and gave me back to God and to my people. And you know what? Maybe there is a lesson included here for you today. Because you see, I had, I had intentionally renounced God and my people. I had tried to fight full, uh, find fulfillment and joy elsewhere and mainly in possessions, albeit acquired unjustly. And I wonder, maybe there's a sense in which you maybe have turned back, turned your back to God and the church perhaps. Now the lesson from my story, I mean there's a few lessons from my story, but maybe the, the main lesson from my story perhaps is this. 
he's still seeking the lost. And he's offering his friendship to those who have turned their backs on him. Are you his friend yet? Have you found true joy and contentment? When I finally went to bed that night, it was late. And for a moment I was wondering, was this all real? Did this really happen? And I was briefly a bit shocked about my own courage. Would I really follow through with my promise? Would I do that? But you can't believe the commotion the next day and what happened in our town. And the news of my statement had really spread like wildfire and there were already dozens of people queuing in front of my place. Jesus and his disciples had left early in the morning as they were keen to move up to Jerusalem. And only later did I realize why he was in such a serious mood when he left. A strange mix of apprehension and solemn celebration marked his demeanor. Now, just in case you were wondering, I actually did fulfill my promise. Um, yes. And with each reimbursement, my heart jumped a little, eased a little more until it finally just bounced. Giving is indeed more blessed than receiving, as he always used to say. And it has become the motto of my life ever since. The desire to hoard money and to acquire possessions had already left. It's, it was gone. It was gone and I was free. I was blessed with this beautiful feeling of belonging, belonging to God and belonging to the community. I belonged again. I wasn't an outcast anymore. And I made so many new friends. Of course, he became my greatest friend, the friend of tax collectors, even though I never saw him again in person. Because his life on earth soon found a cruel ending. I only understood much later what he meant that he had said that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I was truly one of those that he ransomed with his death on the cross. I'm forgiven and cleansed from my guilt. And by the way, as I leave, Zacchaeus, do you know what that name means? Even today, it brings tears to my eyes when I think of it. The pure, the just, that's what Zacchaeus means. Would you believe that? That's the meaning of my name. And when I think back to the moment he called me when I was sitting in that tree, Zacchaeus, he already said it back then with this special intonation and intention. Pure one, just one, come down from that tree. I want you to be my friend. Are you his friend yet? Today's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. 
So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be, with, to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. 